All right, all right. Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. Whew. Coming down, coming down the pipe with a very long week. Um, for those of you who have been on vacation, uh, you picked a crazy one to miss. Um, we've had uh, a total narrative shift uh, in terms of how regulators feel about Bitcoin. We've had more enlightenment uh, around what they think about Libra. Um, it's been a hell of a week. Uh, and so just to, to close it out quickly, I had three, three things that are um, finally not just about Libra. So let's kick it off with uh, BitMEX and de-Americanization. So um, I think a lot of us woke up to the story this morning that the CFTC uh, was going after um, BitMEX, who was probing BitMEX uh, in terms of whether American users were using the platform. Um, and obviously, Americans are technically banned uh, by BitMEX. Um, many Americans obviously still use it. You know, they use VPNs or whatever to, to access it. Uh, it's one of the most popular exchanges in the world. Um, and uh, the CFTC is the regulator in the, the US that's charged with, um, or that's most charged with things like uh, swaps and derivatives, right? So, so it makes sense that they're interested in this. Um, but I think that it's, it's interesting less in the context just of, um, BitMEX and whatever may or may not happen in this particular probe or this inquiry, uh, but more in in kind of a clear shift in the regulatory regime and the regulatory era, right? So um, over the last few months, we've had uh, a pattern of shifts, right? And so I saw Larry from the block uh, kind of mentioned this. Let This is getting quite serious, he said. Let's summarize. Both BitMEX and Bitfinex are now investigated for servicing U.S. customers. Bittrex and Poloniex started to geoblock tokens from the U.S. Binance pulled crypto to crypto trading out of the U.S. completely. Um, we've clearly turned a corner at some point where the regulatory arbitrage kind of play fast and loose game for these exchanges in the U.S. is not working and they're feeling increased pressure uh, and increased regulatory heat. Um, and uh, what's, what's shifting then is that, you know, America is going to be in an increasingly crypto regulated environment, even more so than now. Um, and I think that it's important to note that it's not necessarily that this is a bad thing, right? So we saw last week that uh, Blockstack and YouNow had both been approved for effectively SEC sanctioned token sales. Um, that's going to be really good information. It's going to give us really good information about to what extent people find value in the actual underlying crypto assets and the tokens that kind of uh, you know make these networks function versus they just want to play kind of the the, the online casino game. Um, neither of which I'm drawing moral judgments on, but that's that's really what's happening now in America is we're going to see that uh, that question answered. You know what what is this really about for folks? Um, so it's interesting times. I think Bitmax is uh, you know the latest in um, in a in a kind of a set of actions that suggest this shift in in where the where the state of regulations is in the U.S. And you know as Libra continues to dominate the conversation in this country, you got to think that that's only going to continue. Um, with that, let's move on to uh, to number two. So uh, speaking of regulation, so, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the meta conversation around things like Libra is what are governments going to do as these cryptocurrencies start to threaten sovereign currencies um, in some way? And, uh, and so it's, it's interesting to keep tabs on kind of what the big powers, how the big powers are treating um, these crypto assets in their, in their different jurisdictions. Um, so China has obviously had a number of different restrictions on Bitcoin for some time. Uh, it's been you know, illegal to trade in certain ways. Um, you've seen a lot of, a lot of the stories uh, 
you know, a lot of the action in, in Chinese markets has to do with, you know, how easy it is to get involved in ICOs, which are technically banned and, and so on and so forth, right? And so um, super interesting uh, thread from Dovi, uh, the, just I think this morning, maybe or last night, basically she was looking through um, different kind of uh, social media sentiment in China to see what people, how people were explaining recent price action. And what she came across was a court decision uh, a recent court decision where effectively someone had bought Bitcoin in 2013. It was in the custody of a seller. The seller closed out the business without any notice. The buyer sued it. Um, and so what this court decision effectively said is, I'll, I'll read her translation. Bitcoin holds the attributes as property, valuable, scarce, and disposable. We should recognize it as a virtual property. According to the general civil law, virtual property, this is her interpretation, is legally protected by the laws of the People's Republic of China. And she says, and I think this is really, uh, this is really important for understanding like kind of the emotional state of this. This is like unreal to me actually, has been under, have been under years of holding Bitcoin as a legal you criminal cloud in mainland China, and now it's clear. Now, other folks have uh, have pointed out, and even Dovi pointed out, that trading Bitcoin isn't uh, necessarily legal. And some have tried to say that, um, have pointed out that that perhaps uh, you know this doesn't apply uh, everywhere because it's just a local court. Um, but still, I think it's notable um, because, especially, it's notable in the context of you know there's really two interesting and very divergent paths for uh, crypto markets to go as it relates to governments. Um, one is outright bans. The other is kind of a slow infiltration where governments feel like these crypto assets and Bitcoin in particular can sit alongside um, sovereign you know, fiat currencies. And, uh, and it's really just about preventing criminal activity on them. Um, obviously, there's a lot to be said for that, that uh, for hoping for that second approach. Um, but, you know, other people have thought that we might be within, you know, a year of some major government just outright banning Bitcoin. Um, and I don't think it's, it's, I think it's still too early to tell exactly how this all shakes out. But uh, super interesting from the ground case study. Um, thanks as always to Dovi for translating, really cool stuff. So with that, we're on to number three. This is Zuko Wilcox of Zcash fame saying, welcome to the world Ycash. You may be asking yourself, what in the world is Ycash? Well, Ycash is what has been called a friendly fork of Zcash. So let's talk about this idea of friendly forks first. So friendly forks is actually a concept uh, and a name that I think Zuko um, himself may have written about first. And it's effectively the idea that a fork doesn't have to be um, contentious, that it can just be uh, kind of a normal part of the, the the crypto ecosystem in a way that people kind of express disagreement. Um, you know, we've talked in the crypto community for, for a long time about how forks uh, represent governance by exit. But obviously, as we've seen with, uh, you know, Bitcoin Cash, with BSV, with Ethereum Classic, forks tend to be highly contentious. Forks tend to be um, value destructive, uh, ultimately, even if they kind of represent an initial pop as people speculate on, on the new chain. Um, the, I think what Zuko is interested in with this kind of idea of a friendly fork is something where you know, one community recognizes that there's a, a relatively fundamental disagreement with another and uh, and kind of with, you know, with their blessing, uh, you know, enables um, a, a clean break. And so in this case, the particular issues at hand have to do with the Zcash founders reward. Um, so the founders reward is a effectively a, a tax 
on mining that goes back to uh, to to the de the developers of of Zcash, um, and in particular, they, they've kind of been very public and open about what the distribution is, and you can go look that up in terms of uh, you know what Zuko gets versus what other people get. Um, but the but the point is that it's used to fund operations. Now, the the founders reward was intended to be four years. It was tended to never be more than ten percent of the total twenty one million hard cap of Zcash. And there are a lot of folks in the uh, in the community who worry that when that runs dry in uh, in a little over a year in October of 2020, um, there will be too much pressure on uh, on the whole community, and they will kind of accede to a shift in that principle of um, only 10% being uh, ever ever made available for this founder's reward. Um, the, the, the idea of Ycash as opposed to Zcash is to kind of get out ahead of this and actually try to shift uh, the way that the incentive structure is run from a 20% for four years to basically they want to shift it to a 5% perpetual inflation from here on out. Um, and, and effectively, the math works out such that uh, that, would, that would effectively be the same. It would never kind of transcend that 10% total of the 21 million hard cap that would go to developers. Now that 5% would go to the Ycash Foundation, um, you know, to be distributed in a way that I haven't really seen any articulation of, but that could just be because I'm not uh, totally clued in. And so anyways, what this comes down to for me is it's almost, there's almost two different, two different things. One is, is the idea of, of, of a friendly fork just kind of, uh, a, a, you know, a contradiction in terms. And so uh, Matteo from the block shared a piece from, uh, from Arjun uh, Balaji, who's now at Paradigm Capital, who was working with the block earlier this year, where effectively he argues that even if a, even if a fork uh, tries to be and intends to be um, a, a friendly fork, ultimately it's, it's value destructive, it's value competitive. It, competitive. it competes for resources, for community feelings. It's very hard for it to not be competitive. Um, I think that that's a, a, a you know a, an interesting point of view and one that I you know I think at base or at least my starting point tends to agree with. I, I think I admire the um, I admire the intention uh, of trying to make it easier to trying to reduce the value destructiveness by not making it contentious. Um, I think there is some amount of kind of a priority value destruction uh, initially, but. Then again, I'm I'm way open to being proven wrong, and and hope that I am. So that's that's one uh, that's that's one interesting piece of this discussion. I guess the last piece that I'll mention quickly before we wrap for the weekend is um, is this question of uh, incentives, developer incentives, and how these protocols are funded. Um, this has been a long ongoing conversation that extends back into uh, you know forms of open source software development that goes you know be much before just um, you know crypto assets. But there's a real question still that I think is unanswered about what is an appropriate way to get these protocols off the ground. How much should developers expect? How regular should it be? You know, earlier this year, Grin kind of made a splash by having a quote unquote uh, fair, um, a fair mine where they didn't do any pre mines. They didn't have any dev dev taxes or founder rewards or whatever you want to call them. And uh, and you know, within weeks. They were basically some of the core developers were kind of like hat in hand, asking the community, begging the community for resources. So I don't think this is a resolved question. Um, I think it's a really 
uh, interesting, tricky issue where there's not necessarily a norm yet. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what happens with Zcash, um, not just in terms of Ycash, but over the next year as that founder's reward comes up. Um, so anyways, guys, uh, that is the Crypto 3 at 3 for today. Um, let me know uh, if you think any of this stuff is interesting, if you think there's more that we should explore in the coming weeks. Um, and until then, I will see you soon. Thanks for hanging out.